Hello, hello, and welcome to Name Drop San Diego, a new podcast from the San Diego Union Tribune. I'm Abby Hamblin. And I'm Christy Totten. We're your hosts. On this episode, John Foreman is our guest. He's the frontman of Switchfoot, a Grammy-winning alt-rock band from San Diego. And this is where I admit up front that I'm a fan and that I've seen the band 10 times. John is also a solo artist, and he once played 25 concerts in 24 hours around San Diego. That's definitely something we're going to ask him about. Um, John, welcome to the program. Good to meet you guys. So how are you doing right now uh, with the coronavirus lockdown? What have you been up to? What are your bandmates doing? How are you hanging in there? I am well. I am so thankful to live in a community where I get plenty of sunshine and... Um, I have friends in other parts of the world that are dealing with life or death issues. And so all of my minor little annoyances are nothing compared to what they're going through. <laughs> you know, I think that the, my experience has been, I have a, I have a daughter who's in second grade. And so I am realizing how, how much I respect moms and teachers. And I just can't say that enough. <laughs> you guys are heroes and um, that's a hard job. And so I think it's been really wonderful to be home with my family and to have a new appreciation for what my wife does every day and what teachers do every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we've really been enjoying uh, the, the shows that you've been doing on Instagram every day from quarantine. You know, obviously people are commenting from around the world. People are getting a lot out of it. I was just wondering, like, how is it helping you? Yeah, live music has always been a huge part of my existence. And for me, you know, the connection that, that you can have with live music is irreplaceable. And so even though it's not the same thing, playing a song in front of a iPhone and sending it out into the world every night feels like the next best thing that I can do right now. I'm not a surgeon or a doctor or some sort of scientist that's working on a cure for this. I think what I have is a guitar in my hand and that's, that's what I'm going to use, you know? And I think for all of us, we're looking for those little simple joys that we can turn to that remind us of why we're alive and what it means to be human during this really strange time. Do you think that the, the lockdown and, you know, the coronavirus scare has helped your creativity overall, hurt it, something else? To be honest, I haven't had any time to be creative. <laughs> I've just been kind of catching up, catching my breath. And, you know, the, the song at the end of the day feels like a good respite of... Um, a moment to catch my breath, but it, it doesn't, I, I think the song doesn't really feel that creative. It feels more like an attempt to return to normalcy, but I hope that in the coming weeks I can find some sort of a rhythm to be able to write and create and, and begin to create something new. I still feel like I'm catching up. Well, I guess changing gears a little bit, we were hoping to talk about your upbringing in San Diego. What were you like as a kid growing up here and, and how did this town, you know, shape you and your music? Oh, that's a, a good question. I think San Diego has changed a lot over the course of, you know, since since the nine, 1900s <laughs> when I was a kid here. And, you know, some things remain the same. It It is still 
an embracing community that that still wants to see people succeed. I think that was the biggest thing that I remember being a kid. We'd play shows all over San Diego and all the other bands would be cheering cheering each other on, you know. And I you'd go up to LA and it felt like it was a competition and San Diego always felt like a camaraderie. And that is a huge part of why we are who we are, you know, that we felt the support of our hometown, our our peers, our heroes. And um, I hope to provide that for the next generation, you know, with Bro-Am and different things to kind of give other kids the chance to have have an opportunity to express themselves in song. I think that is one of the one of the biggest gifts you can give a young adolescent who doesn't know what to do with any of the things that are going on within or around them is to give them a vehicle to express themselves. Um, you mentioned the 1900s, <laughs> the 90s. I'm just kind of wondering, like, what was the music scene like out here? You said it was supportive. Um, anything more you can say about it? And also, I'm wondering, like, did you guys, um, did you always hope to sort of strike out beyond local venues and the local scene? It, was that part of the plan or was it just a, you know, a, a surprise? Yeah, our dreams were very small. We would go to concerts in people's backyards and that was the dream our heroes were um you know boilermaker and heavy vegetable and three mile pilot and these bands that to us were huge bands but no one knew of them in you know outside of san diego they're um so they would tour up the coast and they i mean i'm sure a lot of they do national tours and all these things but our we were never thinking of like the stones or the beatles or or zeppelin or something we were thinking oh man what if we could be boilermaker <laughs> you know and so i think but the scene back then was it was this really eclectic scene where i think you know you'd have us a, a really heavy band play with an acoustic band play with a ska band you know play with a punk band and everyone kind of there was the delineation between genres was was very free and i think that that helped shape our understanding of music you know the idea les paul has a great great quote where he says there's two kinds of music there's good music and bad music and i think that frees you up whenever you're making a song, you're not trying to fit it in a box. You're just trying to aim for something beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great quote. That's really interesting. Like, do you feel like you've absorbed, you know, a lot of those styles into your own music, having been in that environment? I think you absorb everything. I think your brain is always um, taking it in and, you know, there's only seven notes to choose from. So every now and then you'll hear a combination of notes that will that will come out of your own instrument and you'll say, Oh my gosh, I think that reminds me of something I heard when I was seven or, you know, it, it's strange that, um, you know, every note has been played before and you, it's, it's almost just passing through you rather than you creating it. Yeah. This is, this is why I'm so excited about this podcast because I love the insider kind of local culture stuff that only, you know, locals who we interview will be able to talk about. It's so awesome. I'm glad you name dropped those bands. 
Um, but if, if you were able to describe the sound of San Diego, what would it be? I know for me, I thought that Fading West, your album, um, you know, really gave you that sort of like beachy ocean sound, but like, how would you describe, um, the sound of San Diego? Oh man. I, I, the odd thing about San Diego is, I mean, I feel like there's several different scenes within San Diego. There's kind of like, you know, and, and, and every year it's going to change, but I feel like there's kind of the Pacific beach kind of party vibe. There's, um, North County kind of surf punk kids. There's, um, you know, all sorts of heavier stuff, even country and, and bluegrass coming from the East counties. And then you, I mean, we're being so close to San Diego, to Tijuana, you've got all sorts of, um, latin styles that that you know it's totally unlike what i would play but it's absolutely authentic to san diego so i think it's 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 a beautiful eclectic mix of of personality you know expressed through song it was really interesting what you said about like being limited to seven notes when you make music i've been thinking like a little bit about that like like Western band formats are kind of static, right? Like it's usually like two guitars and bass and drums. So like within, um, within those parameters, like how do you innovate as a musician? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's almost like, um, with a canvas and three primary colors, you can create anything. Right. Um, so, it's that same thing with music. You can feel, you can either feel like, oh, every color's been used, every note's been used, everything's been said already, or, um, and that, I think that is kind of the critical, cynical side of, of, of us that everyone has within them. But then there's, there's like the child within you as well who just wants to finger paint and create and says everything's worth writing about you know and i think um both of those voices need to be present when you're creating art you need the you need the critical thinking objective perspective to 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 say no that sounds like the beatles that that riff has been used before or or that is the most absurd topic to write a song about. It's you should think it, think it through. And then you also need the creative childlike kid to, to just dream and, and um, say, what if, you know, cause I do think that most good art comes from wonder. I wonder, I wonder what, I wonder why not, you know, and, and that's where the creative element in, in human existence begins is with wonder. Wow, that's an amazing answer. <laughs> that was really beautiful. Um, I'm wondering if like you have any um, artists, you know, bands, visual artists or otherwise locally that that you're really into. The vision I'm not I'm not a visual artist. I don't pretend to be. I I have some friends that are incredible and we actually we put our one of our friends on the cover of our first CD. He is a local artist and um, he now teaches at the high school I went to. But I think that's been a platform for us. So another local artist that we employed to create our second album cover is Shepard Ferry. 
um, who San Diego claims proudly. Um, as far as musicians that are from here that I love, um, you've got Tyson Motzenbacher and you've got bigger rock bands, POD and, and Blink, but you've also got uh, bluegrass leg legends. Um, I love Nickel Creek. They're both incredible musicians and people. Yeah, I mean, there's there's too many people to name, but it's such such deep soil here, such rich soil. Yeah, that's so cool that you incorporated, you know, locals as you were working your way up. How would you back to your early days? Like, how would you describe? you know, what really was like the turning point for you guys? You were playing backyard shows, you know, what what made you feel like you were really starting to make it? Well, I dropped out of college <laughs> and that was, that was definitely a turning point because this was back before you could do online courses and, and that whole thing. Again, this is back pretty early on. It's hard to imagine. It's like saying, yeah, this is, I feel like a grandpa, like, oh, well, back before the internet, we used to go to classes. Um, but yeah, I, I, all my teachers were pretty, pretty bummed that I, I wasn't showing up for exams and I was trying to, you know, do, do my work from Oklahoma or wherever we were touring. And, and it came to this point where I had to kind of choose either school or, to really give music a go. And I thought, you know, I really love music. I'm passionate about it. Let's let's give it a shot. But the irony is I never thought of music as a viable career option. It was always just a joy. It was like surfing or hanging out, you know, like where you think to yourself, of course, I'm going to do that. That sounds like what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But I never thought of it as a money-making venture. And so that was that was a big turning point for me was to drop out of college and say, okay, let's give this a shot. Let's see if I can actually pay rent with songs. Let's just say you couldn't. What do you think you would be doing now? I have no idea that yeah, that reality doesn't exist for me. I I I love school. I got pretty good grades and um I wanted to be a doctor, but I realized I really could care less about the human body and that probably wasn't a good mix. I liked helping people, but I I didn't want to learn about the anatomy and all that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess we're glad you're not a doctor too. <laughs> That's funny. How would you um describe the role that faith plays in your music? Yeah, I think faith is impossible to put into a box. I think that every action that we make with our lives, our bodies, our thoughts, it's all driven by what we believe. And songwriting is no different. You know, I think, um, you know, Jewish, Buddhist, agnostic, Christian, your faith will be lived out by every action, the way you treat people, all of it, you know. And for me, um, I, I grew up, uh, in a Christian home and I think I guess just wrestle, wrestling with the questions of belief in a in an environment that it felt 
appropriate and comfortable to, to question things, you know? And so I think that is a huge part of the Christian tradition is to, to question, to doubt, to find faith, to, to look for answers. Um, and so that, all of that comes to bear on the songs. And I feel like in many ways, the songs are the place where I can be most honest. Like it's really hard for me to have a conversation with friends, let alone strangers about, uh, sex or God or girls or death or politics. And yet in a song, it's really easy. And I, I take full advantage of that. What are some songs like if, if people are new to your music, what are like two or three songs that you'd recommend people listen to, to really, you know, paint a picture of what your music is about. And then once you identify those songs, I was, you know, if you could just tell us a little bit about them. Oh, that's hard. So I'm in Switchfoot is a band I'm in. I'm in a band called Fiction Family, and I have um, a bunch of solo EPs. So I would say for Fiction Family, maybe start with God Badge. Put the God Badge Give Me Back My Girl might be a good song. Solo stuff, maybe June and Johnny. Coming down the highway like a fry, laughing three o'clock at night. With the desert stars above, singing June and Johnny songs. You felt pretty, I felt strong. And no one called our bluff and love. Or Caroline. Caroline, you were just a child in a fireline. You were just a kid when your mama died, and daddy couldn't make it alone. Or terminal. The doctor says I'm dying. I die a little every day. But he's got no prescription that could take my death away. For Switchfoot. I think, you know, a song that people might recognize might be Dare You To Move or Meant To Live. There's a bunch of songs that have, we put out since then um, that that might tell a little bit more of a recent story native tongue is a a new one that i love playing but 
Yeah, the the new record for me, that Switchfoot's latest record. We every time we put out an album, we kind of have to break up the band and decide what we're trying to say if we want to say anything at all. And I'm really proud of our the record we put out. Uh, what was it last year? Native Tongue. Um, so you have you know a really amazing solo career as well. Like if you search your name on YouTube, there are people all over the world doing covers of um, your songs. I'm wondering, like, why did you decide to go solo? And, you know, what can you accomplish playing by yourself that you can't uh, accomplish in a band? That's a good question. I think the solo element, it was, it kind of came about in a roundabout way. I would play a, a Switchfoot show and then afterwards go out and I'd still have more songs left in me, you know. And so I'd go out in the parking lot or, to the coffee shop or the bar down the street or whatever and I'd grab an acoustic guitar and play a Dylan cover or some song I was working on and I got to the point where I was really looking forward to these th these kind of random unpaid unplanned experiences and that was the, the birth of of uh, the idea to do a solo album and so i put out four eps of uh i think 20 25 or 26 songs total a few like maybe a decade ago and then i did that again a couple years back um i i, I love writing songs and i have too many of them and so this is a chance for me to kind of get them off my chest yeah, so with your solo career, I feel like we have to ask what we mentioned up top, uh, the 25 shows in 24 hours. Did did you pull that off? Can you explain to people what that was all about? Yeah, so it was kind of born from the idea that I would do these after shows, you know, after the Switchfoot show was finished, I'd, I'd play. And I thought to myself, what if I could just keep that experience going? The impromptu, spontaneous chaotic expression of song and to try and pick 25 locations that were meaningful to me around San Diego to invite some of my favorite musicians to join me for these excursions of sound and see what happened. So we did just that. I, I played at the children's hospital that saved my daughter's life. I played at my high school with the high school band. I played at my favorite Mexican restaurant with the mariachi band. I played at uh, Spreckles, the organ pavilion near the zoo with my mom, who's a pipe organ major. Um, all sorts of random places around town. And it was incredible. It was one of the best days of my life. And we made it. We all made it. And yeah, 20, I think it ended up being like 70 or 80 songs later, um, we were finished. And we actually, we made a movie about it, which was kind of, actually the movie's way harder to, to do than, than 25 shows in 24 hours. <laughs> Another big project that you take on, not just, um, it, it's been years now that you do this every single year, uh, the Switchfoot Bro-Am. I, I know giving back is a big part of what you all do as a band. Um, so for people who don't know about it, can you describe it? So the Bro-Am is an event that we dreamed up on the way home. We were flying home from Australia one time, and we were just 
so thankful to be headed home, so thankful for our hometown and thinking, well, is there anything that we can do to give back to our hometown? And we were thinking, well, you know, surfing and rock and roll kept us out of trouble when we were kids. How do we, how would we use those two things to give back to San Diego? So we decided to throw a party on the beach and raise money for homeless kids. And so it was a surf contest and, and rock and roll there on the beach. And it's been going for, I think, 15 years now. And it's raised, I think, close to $2 million now for local charities. And it is absolutely my favorite day of the year. And it, you know, we, we just, we love it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the best. You got you to gotta come and check it out. Yeah, something that you didn't mention is that you surf during this, right? Yeah, so the surf contest is uh, <laughs> it's really fun. You have to surf one wave regular, one wave goofy. And so it's we have, you know, Rob Machado, Tom Curran. We've had all sorts of our, you know, surfing heroes surf in it. And we've had Jason Mraz and Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters and all sorts of amazing, talented bands play in it as well. And it's usually like somewhere around 17,000 people on the beach all celebrating the community and and these kids that need our help in the community. So setting modesty aside for a second, I wonder if you would be willing to answer how good of a surfer you really are and the rest of the band. You can be honest. Here's your moment oh, to brag. Oh, no. That's, that's part of the... Uh, I, I mean, the funny thing is, so we always have Rob Machado on our team, and so there's no bragging when you're on the team with Rob. <laughs> it's a very humbling thing because he can make any wave look pretty majestic and beautiful even you know one foot d street closeouts that you know so it's it's this thing where you become very humbled i'm not i'm definitely not going to be uh, bragging about my surfing ability when rob's on my team um well that ties in nicely to our you know just some final questions we have for you just about favorite spots in san diego so i guess you know wh- what are some of your favorite spots to go surfing Oh, wow. So I went to school at UCSD. So Black's Beach will always have a special place in my heart. Uh, Usually, you know, there's some incredible reefs down in La Jolla. But living in North County, I pretty much from Seaside to Ponto is that's kind of my zone anywhere in between. And what about San Diego in general? Like when you have visitors come, what are some of you know, your favorite spots that you love to show people or places that you just love to revisit again and again? Yeah. Um, so my favorite coffee shop, uh, Ironsmith, that's definitely worth a, a visit once all this settles down. Um, there's so many great Mexican restaurants it's it's hard to pick but uh fidel's is has a special place in my heart we play there on the 25 and 24 and man i mean it we could have that conversation all day when it comes to mexican food and in coffee shops right but yeah i think 
Old Town is a special, special spot. A lot of good memories there. I love, I mean, Coronado is amazing. My hometown of Encinitas, Cardiff, you know, there's so many great zones. It's almost like you, you kind of have to dedicate a, an afternoon to each of them. So obviously you're spending a lot of time in San Diego now because we're all stuck at home here. But um, what upcoming projects do you have in the works that you'd be willing to share? Or what do you plan to do with the you know coming weeks, you and uh, Switchfoot and your other projects? We've got a bunch of things up our sleeve. There's a duet that we're, we've got coming out in a little bit. We have another project that I can't really talk too much about. And then maybe I'm going to be working on uh, some solo stuff as well. So Switchfoot and solo stuff mainly. Um, but I think just to for everyone out there, I mean, who knows what will what kind of world we'll be living in in two weeks when this thing airs. But I am taking the quarantine very seriously. I am. It's my family and myself, and that's it. And I'm trying my best to utilize all the all the things I got at home and and you know let my limitations be the strength and I think I've been just struck by all the people that are making sacrifices out there um, so I'm trying to do the same thing and 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 just stay home for the good of the community yeah well we definitely wanted to reach out to you as someone who people really know Uh, Here in San Diego, the whole concept of our podcast is to get to know people who are shaped by San Diego and who help shape it. And so, I mean, you're arguably one of the most famous San Diegans, at least um, as far as like your band's uh, worldwide recognition. I just wondered, like, when you think about the impact you've had or the way San Diego looks at you, um, you know, the legacy that you're building, you're continuing to work on projects. Like, what would you want people to know about you or what what impact do you hope to have on our community oh that's a huge uh that's a huge question and i would say i think the essence of what it means to be human is to dream and to wonder and i hope that our songs would open people's eyes to a bigger story than their own cell phone screen and this idea that we're all in this together. I, I would hope that our songs and what we've done in, in the community would be building a story bigger than just Switchfoot, that it would be a part of something that would last even after we die. Um, and I think, you know, in, in times of crisis like this, it brings these things to a head and you realize, okay, so what kind of impact do I want to leave? What, what, are, what kind of world do I want to leave to my daughter and to the future generations? I would, I would hope that I would be opening minds to a narrative bigger than the self. Yeah, that's awesome. And I don't think that we, we talked enough about your fellow band members of Switchfoot, especially since they are local San Diegans as well. Um, would you mind just like sharing about who they are and giving us your blurb and your version of what people should know about them? Yes. So Tim is my little brother. He's incredible. He is, uh, he plays the bass. He is kind of the glue of the band. He's a great hang, 
very patient. We've had our more than our fair share of fights and we've gotten through them all. <laughs> and let's see, Chad is just an amazing individual. Uh, I met him in high school and we've been friends since college. The first time I ever hung out with him, he took me down. He had the key to Blacks and I drove my VW Bug down to surf and at the end of our surf session, when the sun had gone down, I realized I had locked my key in the car. And we've been friends ever since. <laughs> Drew is amazing. He grew up east of here. He is one of the funniest people you could ever hope to meet. So kind, so talented. Um, yeah, I've been friends with him for a couple decades as well. Uh, Jerome, he is, he is our import he is from all the way up in Riverside and um, he is one of the kindest people you ever meet. He is super talented. His brother says that he can't remember Jerome ever getting mad. And so that is the type of person he is. He is better than all of us. And um, he recovered from cancer uh, last year and um, he's been doing great. And yeah, we've, we're, we've been through a lot together as a band and we are truly brothers at this point, you know? So that's kind of, that's what, what holds the music together as well. Okay. Well, our, our final question for you, you know, because this podcast is called name drop, we always want to ask our guests to like name drop someone else. And so is there, is there another San Diegan or someone you want to give a shout out to someone who means a lot to you or, you know, that might have a cool story to share? Ooh, yes. I'd like to name drop my grandpa. Alan Carlton is a true hero. He um, he fought in World War II, was a bomber pilot, was shot down out of the sky. He survived a POW camp, and um, he is he has a million more stories than I do, and you should interview him. Thanks for listening to the very first episode of Name Drop San Diego. Next week, we'll hear from astronaut Ellen Ochoa, the first Latina to go to space. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NameDropSD. And if you like what you heard today, make sure to share it with a friend, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and let us know who you'd like to hear from next. Name Drop San Diego is produced by Abby Hamblin and me, Christy Totten. Special thanks to our colleagues, Beto Alvarez, Gloria Orbegozo, and Matt Hall. Thanks again. Bye.